What is up, guys? Welcome to another episode of What Any Vision. Welcome to the first ever podcast dedicated to Paraguayan football in English. As always, I'm Roberto Rojas, and joining me as always are Federico Perez, Maria Britos, and Ralph Hanna. And guys, what a crazy week what's been going on. I mean, we've seen so much drama. I mean, we know about the things that are going on in Paraguay outside of football, but inside football, there's been so much that's going on, and I can't wait to discuss it. We'll go straight to the motherland and speak to Fede on this. I mean, Man, I mean, there, there's been a lot of drama that's been going on in Paraguay. And I'm not just talking politically or, or anything like that. There's been so much that has happened over the last few days. But how are you, man? I'm good, Roberto. Hi, everyone. Hi to everyone listening to, like always, to What an Vision. Another episode, another week here. Uh, you know, so many games have gone by, right? Like, uh, we had midweek games last week. We had, during the weekend, we also had another uh another big uh games uh, a lot of them actually were were surprising uh, i was looking into the the stats and only one team won at home and that was for Luqueño. we'll obviously talk about them but right off the bat we have to talk about the big news what's going on in olympia these last two games uh eight goals in there in, in in their goal and it's just been crazy for Gorosito, right when 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 it looked like he was actually getting things together and he's been sacked now he's been asked to leave the the club and not only him we'll obviously talk about this because it is the breaking news on the day that we're recording on the first day of this week and obviously i am actually surprised how fast he they let him go and how fast now they already have a new coach Sergio Orteman. that's the big news here in Paraguay uh, because obviously Olympia is a popular club, Olympia is a big club, and uh, Olympia was shaking up after these two games against uh, Nacional uh, midweek and the other day also uh, against Luqueño, four goals on each match. That was just incredible. I haven't seen that in a while. Yeah, absolutely. Maria, I'll go to you on this one and introduce you. It's been a lot of things going on, and it was surprising to see what happened to Gorosito for him to to leave. But what are your thoughts on on that kind of uh, removal that just happened all of a sudden? Yeah, it was definitely a shock uh, today in the afternoon, Monday afternoon for everyone. Um, but, well, hi, everyone, <laughs> first of all. But, um, you know, I think uh, it, it was... Um, it was it was more of a shock as it was sort of uh, coming together. Um, you know, it, it uh, Gorosito has been playing uh, well with his team, and and then uh, he had two major losses. Uh, I believe it was eight goals against the Olympia the first time in years since um, I believe it's 2013. They've been hit this hard. Uh, two major games lost. And um, it was definitely um, not a good, not a good thing for Gorosito because you know Olympia is such a big team. It's it's one of the biggest ones in the country, and they're expected to be playing at a much much higher uh, level. And for for them, for for the fans, for the for the front office in the club, it was definitely unforgivable to have uh, eight goals against uh, against them in two games. It's definitely not um, a good look on Gorosito. He did have a good run at the beginning, um, and you know he 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 won the last uh, the Clausura and gave uh, Olympia the the number forty fifth trophy uh, for them, and 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 all that that's good. But as you know, 
things in football are crazy and you're expected to work in a certain way and you're expected to give results. And that's not something that Grosito did. Although like Fede said, he was doing much better. It looked like he was being more comfortable. And the last time that we spoke, I even said um, Olympia was doing much better and I liked how Grosito was doing it. But unfortunately, it's how it is in, in the world of, of football and it is what it is. And, and now with, with Sergio Orteman, um, you know, there's not much to, to, to him. I, he was a, a former player um, in back in the, in the two, early 2000s. He won the 2002 Libertadores with Olympia. So that's a good thing. Um, he was a midfielder, a Uruguayan player, and uh, spent a lot of time in Paraguay. And then after retiring, he went on to coach. Uh, the, the latest team that he coached was uh, Sol de América. And he did had he had a, a short run with them as well. He had six months more or less. He had about four wins out of 24 matches. So it wasn't really a good a good look for him as well. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about him. I think everything everything was just rushed out. But the way that they just um, sacked Gorosito and suddenly just got uh, Sergio Orteman. It was all so fast that it makes me think that maybe they were already in the talks beforehand. So we'll see what the directives uh, expect from, from, from Sergio Orteman, and we'll definitely wish him the best of luck. Absolutely. And, you know, Rob, going to you, I think the whole kind of mentality of what you've done for me lately goes really strong in South America. But in Paraguay, I think it is surprising. You Like, like Maria said, you know, he won the title with Olympia back in December and now gets the, the boot literally three months later. It's it's surprising at some point, but also it just shows how the sport is. But Sergio Orteman now making that jump to play, to manage his former club where he's considered a club legend, given the fact that he's won the Copa Libertadores beforehand. Um, what are your thoughts on this this new challenge, I guess, for, for Orteman after his previous stints at various clubs in Paraguay? Yeah, a, a big challenge. Hello, everybody. Everybody who's watching, listening. Guys, good to see you. Um, yeah, it's a big challenge for Orteman because it, this is very much, if we want to take a comparison from the Premier League, which I like to do on the show, is this is Frank Lampard to Chelsea kind of time. So this is a guy that has experience in lower leagues. He managed Sportivo San Lorenzo. He did very well with San Lorenzo, got them promoted. Um, and even the first the first kind of uh, season in Primera wasn't, you know, wasn't terrible given the team he, he had. Um, but this is very much, as, as Maria is kind of saying, has this, what's this guy really done? Apart from being a club legend as a player, as a coach, has he really shown that in the, at the top level? And, and as Maria mentions, with Sol de America, he hasn't. So Orteman, this is a big challenge. I mean, what he has going for him is, of course, he has fans on his side because similar to Lampard in Chelsea, it's like, you know, it's, you, you got this guy, everybody kind of respects him from what he did as a player. And then he's got more resources than he ever had at Sol or San Lorenzo. I mean, he's got a great squad to work with. He's got maybe, he's got a few leaders in there that can kind of help him as well. He's got Roque, he's got Richard Ortiz, he's got Antolina Alcaraz, who, you know, he has, a, assuming they're allies of him, which I would guess, you know, these discussions were made uh, prior to, to the hiring is he's got some, some key players on his side to get the dressing room. But he has to hit the ground running because Copa Libertadores group stage starts very soon. And, and this is a very, for a club like Olympia, I'm trying to think if I've ever seen them do, do it this way, that just before the Libertadores, they get rid of their, 
well-known international coach and they bring in a kind of less well-known Paraguayan. Okay, Orteman's Uruguayan, but less, you know, he's been in Paraguay for so long. He's like a local coach. It's very rare to go that way just before the Libertadores. Often they go the other way. They're like, okay, maybe we don't trust this, this local guy or the, or the new guy too much. Let's bring in someone with experience from, from Argentina. And they've kind of gone the, the other way, which is interesting. And just an on Gorosito, I'm sure we'll maybe want to go into it more. But I think the, the real thing against him, not just losing two games by, you know, by four goals or, or conceding four goals, is that you were never convinced, even when they won the Clausura, even when they won the Clásico, you were never really convinced by his project or what style of play he was trying to impose or had they got a bit lucky. The Clásico, for example, was, you know, we saw that the Cerro, if they put some chances away, you know, it could have been a different story. So you were never convinced that, wow, he's building this team. But everyone was like, oh, he's getting results, he's getting results, they're not conceding goals. And then they concede a huge amount of goals they're not getting the results. And even he's changing his team. He doesn't have a style. I mean, he played three at the back against Luqueño, having played the, the normal back four against Nacional. So it's like, you know, there was always, I think, that feeling of there's nothing long-term here. And one thing to notice, it's not just Gorosito who went to there, it's Christian Bacedas as well, the sporting director. So this is coming from the, the top in Olympia saying, okay, let's let's just, this project didn't work, let's try something new. And they've, they've come for it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's very weird. In fact, I wanted to go on to you on this one because Ralph brings up a good point. I think with the Cobalier Tordes, obviously we all know the fact that Olympia have this history and they want to, you know, have the ambition of wanting to do well and even for some wanting to win it because of their history. But, you know, for this to happen and with Ortemont to have this kind of pressure, it, it's going to be a lot of things that are going to be expected of him more so than what has been expected from Gorosito. Yeah, it's tremendous, right? All the pressure on, on a big team, on a big club like Olympia, they're expected to every year make it big in the local tournaments, also in Libertadores because of what Roberto's saying, their history, their past, or even the past of Sergio Orteman also, like all of you were mentioning, he, he knows what he's doing, he knows where he's going, but he, does he have enough uh, at, at this moment of his career to take Olympia where they need, uh, to take Roque Santa Cruz on his last dance on a on a Grand Cruz on, on this Libertadores. And there's a lot of doubt about it. I, I totally get what Maria uh, has going on with, with, with Orteman. The same thing happened with Néstor Gorosito. I mean, these are all just bets that the, the president is doing and you don't know how, how these gambles are going to go. You know, Nestor Gorosito never convinced people before he even was uh, Olympia's coach and he, people never got around like Ralph was saying uh, about the idea of how he wanted to play and I, I think the team didn't really get, get him either. Uh, there wasn't a, a good relationship on this last game. Alex Silva sub and he was mad when he was getting out of, out of the pitch. That, that was a bad image for, for Gorosito. It didn't speak well about, you know, his influence on the players, you know, his leadership either. So I think it was just after these two games, it was impossible for him to keep on going. It was going to be really hard. I um, mean, you could have given him one more game, two more games, and he could have started winning again, but the style just wasn't there. You know, the feeling, uh, the chemistry, 
and and in a big team like Olympia, you need that also. You need the fans by your side. And Nestor Gorosito never had the fans by his side. So he, they needed to do this. They needed to change. And maybe it is right on time. He has a month now, Orteman, to prepare the team for Libertadores. And uh, hopefully they, they will get fit. They will be better in, in that sense also, because this was probably the first time they had to play games uh, in between week, uh, every three three other days. And they really had a tough um, match, uh, not only against Nacional, but also against Sportivo Luqueño, especially on the second half. That, that doesn't speak well about how fit this team is, is right now. So, so they need to get on. Uh, on top of it, and and obviously because Libertadores is going to be way more demanding for them, and I hope that Orteman with this modern style of play and and just because he is he knows a lot of these players, he, he he's a he friends with most of them, and he even has Juan Manuel Salgado, a player that just retired, another year of wine that's also on his coaching staff. I think that's all going to be helpful uh, to to you know get the guys uh, playing a little bit better and and hopefully uh, having a good year for Olympia, especially for Roque, because it is his last year. Uh, I, I really think it's really hard right now for any Paraguayan team to make it uh, far in, in Libertadores just because of how tough the Argentinians are, the, the Brazilians, they're dominating these last couple of years. But we're hoping that one of the Paraguayans do it. If it's Libertadores, Libertadores. If it's Guarani, it's Guarani. If it's Olympia, it's Olympia. And it could be Cerro Porteño also because they are all going to get a chance at it. I'm just, um, I'm, I'm, I agree with you on the fact that the fans uh, didn't want Nestor Gorosito there anymore. They were so over it. They didn't like him from the beginning. And I believe I mentioned it from the beginning as well. You know, everyone wasn't so happy with this choice. Um, but, you know, now that, that Sergio is, is the, the new coach and, you know, he's a legend at the club, um, people like him, this and that, but... Um, my only problem and or worry, I would say, is it's how fast uh, this choice came to be. Um, you know, players, uh, former players, can be can be legends and 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 be great at playing, but some not, may not be so great at managing. So that's that's the only worry that that, that comes to my mind. Um, I mean, who knows? He could be maybe the next uh, Sinedine Zidane, uh, and you know, coach so well as uh, without having that much history before. So uh, we'll see what happens. I just, I just hope that there was the right choice. I think it will be interesting to see as well what Olympia are thinking with this. So they bought in Bacedas and they were gonna have like this new project and that didn't last very long. Now by bringing in a club legend, you have usually a bit more credit with the fans and a bit more time. So are they thinking, Let's try and make this a long-term project. Looking around the league and looking at the, the teams that are doing well, like Cerro have been doing well, Chiquiasa has been there, you know. He's actually, I think he just became the second longest serving coach ever in Cerro's history. I mean, he's, been, he's done more than one spell. But I was reading at the weekend, I think there's only a guy in like the 60s maybe or very early on that's had more games at Cerro than Chiqui. Then you have, uh, then you have uh, Tradio Duarte Aguirrenia, who we'll talk about later, but he got to 100 games with the club. Um, you're looking at someone like Hernan Rodrigo Lopez, who was actually linked to uh, Olympia today very heavily, because I'm sure someone leaked it was a Uruguayan, and they're like, oh, it must be him. Um, but you can see with Nacional, you know, they're starting to find an identity with him and, and maybe stick with him. So 
our Olympia looking around the league and thinking, well, actually the most successful people kept their coach for a long time. Our success was when we kept Garnero for a long time. Um, so maybe it's, you know, maybe that's why they've gone in this direction of somebody that they know will have a lot more credit with the fans than Corosito, who, who was never really, I think, never really liked, as we were saying. And also, don't forget, I can't remember when it was, in January, maybe, there was all these rumors he's going to San Lorenzo to go and coach back in Argentina. And that obviously didn't help him either, his, his image, because people are like, oh, he's kind of looking for the next big thing and he's not so interested in us. So um, uh, it'd be interesting. I mean, I'd love, it's, it's very new, this, this news has just hit like an hour before we record it, but it'd be very nice to hear the president speak, you know, of the club and say what the idea is, what the direction is uh, going on with this, right? The project was there, the, the sporting project for Olympia with Bacedas, they just didn't respect it. That's why Bacedas left the club. Bacedas was not agreeing with this, with this decision that the board made in Olympia. Uh, he wanted for Gorosito to keep on going. He, he was the, the coach that he picked, uh, Bacedas. This was the first coach that he picked uh, as the sporting director in Olympia, but this is this is a spot that's not working here in Paraguay. Uh, this is a job that we've had problems in Cerro Porteño, Olympia. Uh, these managers that come and they think they have all the power, but they don't really have the power. There, there's a board behind them. There's a president that that puts in a lot of money also in the club. Maybe that's not the case in Olympia because in Olympia there's a lot of money going on around. There's a lot of people that that put in money in the club, but the sporting director has, has little saying on everything that actually goes on. And Bacedo's project is, was just pure, pure speech, uh, actually. We, we didn't really see much of it. And it was really short, his time here in Olympia. Uh, so I don't know if these managers are really working here in, 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 in Paraguay. There's a couple of cases of ex-players from Paraguay that are doing good, like Carlos Bonetti Nacional. He's also a manager and a former player. And look how, how well Nacional is handling himself since, since he's been on the club. But then you have cases like these guys uh, that, that come from other countries that they don't adapt fast. They don't have good relationships with the presidents and they just leave, leave like this. We've had uh, many and many examples these last couple of years, Roberto. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think obviously, you know, Paraguay and many teams around the world are trying to adapt to what they're doing in Europe, where there is a sort of sporting director, there is a board that is there to support, but it doesn't really interfere as much as what the project is going on. Perhaps that's not the case in Paraguay. As you said, there are exceptions. I think Nacional, of course, we can't really compare Nacional to Olympia and then to the history that they have. But yeah, I think there's a huge bureaucracy that is respected over there. And, you know, it, as you know, it's, it's hard to break tradition in Paraguay. So I think it's, um, it makes kind of sense as to why maybe a project like what Bacedes was doing in Gorosito was not working. But yeah, again, I think this will be a very interesting hire. Um, you know, certainly as Maria said, it's a club legend going into a spot that maybe contain his legacy at Olympia or could probably support it depending on how he does. But ultimately I think he has to get the, the ball rolling fast because you know how Olympia fans are, are always expectant. And it could be the leap of, of from for him on his career, or it could be the end of his career. Because it's true what Maria was saying. His last team was Old America. Twenty four games, he only won four of those twenty four games. So he's got to do a lot more of, of, of that in in Olympia. They're gonna they're gonna demand something different out of him. One hundred percent.
So it'll be interesting. And what's more interesting as we go into our next segment is this league race that we're having, guys. We're nearly halfway towards the end of the season, and we're seeing quite a big race. As you know, we saw Olympia lost on the weekend, which helped teams like Cerro Bordeño, which helped teams like Libertad, which helped teams like Guarania and Nacional to be in this kind of race that we're seeing so far as we look at the table as as things stand. Between the top six, guys, it's a two-point gap. So this thing has been going on all over the place. Rob, I'll go to you on this one. You know, this is, I, I generally, as we made our predictions, we know the likes of an Olympia, of a Cedro, a Lirata, they're always going to be among them. But I, I think these predictions might go off because it, it just feels as if though anything can happen and it changes every single week to what's been going on uh, in the league. It's, it's been really exciting in the sense that you think you find the team that's playing really well and then maybe they slip up and, and someone else who you thought weren't playing too well start rebounding. So, so we had Olympia. Okay, this looks like, well, actually, uh, at first I was thinking this is going to be Libertad's tournament. And then Libertad, a couple of results where you weren't too sure. Now they came back this weekend. Libertad won 2-0 two, two against Sol. Uh, I think Cardoso scored again. I was just looking at how many goals he scored since returning to Libertad. It's, it's incredible. Um, then you had Cerro have been struggling, but they got the good result midweek. Then they played with Morales up front with Bosselli, which was interesting to see Morales and Bosselli together. And, and Morales scores two goals and, and, you know, really well taken. And Cerro have looked as soon as Villasanti came back, they've looked much better and stronger. So they're back in the race. Olympia were cruising 2-0 against Lukenia, and we thought, okay, well, maybe they're still, you know, this was just a one-off against Nacional, and then they capitulate in basically in 25 minutes, the last 25 minutes of the of the game. They they concede four to, to Lukenia, who were playing with all these kind of veterans, by the way. I mean, just a quick word for Lukenia. They, they decided to start up from with Guillermo Beltran, who's got over 80 goals in, in the top division. Um, Paco Benitez, who you know, who you remember from being a great player in 2010 in South Africa World Cup or something, he was you know rolling back the years. Um, Pito Martinez, who's over 30 now, he scored a great goal. Um, they have Luis Cabral at the back, who's obviously you know a veteran. So they were playing. They you know Luis Escobar kind of moved his team around. I thought I put some of these more experienced players to try and help me and and. You know, so it's suddenly working. Lukenia on the same points as, as people like Cerro, they're on 13 points. So not only now they've taken some pressure off the relegation because there's three teams below them in the in the promedio, they're actually looking at, hey, maybe we could grab a Sudamericano spot or or even more. And then, wow, this, we can just do the Nacional slipped up. I thought Nacional was interesting that he rested everybody against River Plate. Um, I don't know why. Maybe he's thinking about the upcoming Sudamericana or he's worried about the Olympia game that they played a lot of games. But, you know, there wasn't Viagra, his top scorer. There were a lot of... Uh, Riveros was injured, the captain. Um, and they, they ended up drawing nil-nil against, uh, against a team of, of 10. Um, well, they, they went down to 10 minutes as well towards the end. But, yeah, Nacional kind of slipped up there. So that's kept it... Kept it all very tight, as we're seeing. And um, yeah, I mean, it's hugely exciting. Don't ask me to pick a winner yet. We come up to the halfway stage of the weekend. Um, and even then, I wouldn't be very sure of who's going to who's going to win this. But Libertad look probably the strongest team, but they have the distraction of Leo Tadoris. So that that could keep keep other teams in with a sniff, I think. 
I don't know. I don't know what you guys are thinking. Yeah, no one else wants to throw a prediction out there. It's tough. It's <laughs> tough. I mean, <laughs> literally, it's. It, I mean, yeah, I kind of agree that Lirat that probably are the team that are to beat because they obviously I think have the more stronger side of things and they st- look more stable. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I could be convinced enough yet. I mean, guys, it's. I, I can't pick a winner. I mean, certainly we had to, but I don't think anyone's going to be sure of our predictions as of yet. I think I, uh, sometime last last week you said the league is drunk. So like they say, I Liga. <laughs> it's definitely an exciting race so far. And uh, I think we have a lot of, um, a lot of surprises. Uh, like we said earlier at the beginning of the, of the season, uh, we, we're going to have some surprises, but not what we were expecting at all. Um, a lot of these teams and and my one of my new favorite ones is Huayreña, which we'll talk about later on. Uh, so it's definitely a great, great and exciting uh, season so far. Definitely. It'll be very fun. So before we get into our final segments, we do have to mention the Copa Libertadores. We have two teams that are participating in the competition. We saw them in action this week. Different results for both teams. We saw Libertad going to Quito, going to the Olimpico Atahualpa to get a good result, a 1-0 away win to take back to Asuncion thanks to a goal by Bogarin. But unfortunately for Guarani, they could not take advantage. And it was kind of expected as we made our prediction last week. They were unable to secure some sort of home field advantage playing at the Defensores, losing 2-0 on the night to Atlético Nacional. I mean, guys, I, I mean, I think... We made our predictions on to saying that Libertad and Guarani are going to face different results with Libertad possibly qualifying and Guarani getting eliminated. I think it's safe to say that we're still going to be on our bets and and be right on the money, I would say. I mean, Fede, is there any way that any of these two teams can, can see themselves uh, into the next stage? No, I think Libertad is gonna is gonna make it easy. Uh, I don't see Catolica actually bothering them on these on the next match that's coming up this week. But Guarani really has it tough uh, going to Colombia now playing against Atlético Nacional, especially because that home game should have been just one zero, and you were still gonna be alive. I said it on on the preview video, right? You just needed to get out of this first game alive and ready for that second game. And I think what I need with that second goal right before the match ended, I think that, you know, they were just digging themselves in, in the pit. Uh, hopefully hopefully they, they can still fight it. Hopefully they get a, a goal soon, fast, uh, as soon as the game starts and, and hopefully they get back into it. But they just haven't looked comfortable lately uh, with their football, Gustavo Costa, the coach is not comfortable either. They, they're on a bad streak and, and they have so much to play for, right? In, in Libertadores, they're just one game away from at least uh, either making Libertadores uh, or making a run in Libertadores uh, face group or making it to the Sudamericana. But they have this big team in front of them, like Atletico Nacional, like we said it. Uh, Colombian teams uh, have been really tough lately for Paraguay. We, we haven't beat much. We haven't beat them much lately. So for what I need, they have to be just on their top form. And I just, I don't see them right now, 100%. They're still trying to get together. The players that came to the team, to the squad, uh, they just came in too late. That that defense looks too mixed up. They lost too many players and they just haven't come up together yet. So uh, I, I don't see them strong enough right now to make it to the to the group phase or even to make it to that 
to that next game because they still need to go through one more stage because they, they, before making it to the to the group stage. But I do see Libertad going by because because mainly because they have uh, come back with that one zero and uh, and and they look better. I think they have just so much talent and they have so many players that can show up in matches like these. And they're gonna have Oscar Cardoso back, like Rafa was saying. He's he already scored on the on the last weekend. They didn't have him on the match uh, that was played in Quito, but they will have him back. For the second game, and I think he's just so important up there. If he's there, if Ferreira's there, you know a goal is going to happen eventually. And I think they're ready for bigger things in this Libertadores. So I really want to see what Libertad is made for in the phase of group. So I think I'm, go I'm going for them. I'm rooting for them this week. Well, obviously, we're going to see either one of these two teams make it because obviously – um, they, if the tie were to go in favor of the Paraguayan teams, they would have to face each other in the next stage. So clearly it, it, it's going to look likely that Libertad will have to play against Atletico Nacional. I mean, obviously we have to wait and see and hope that the results go very differently and hopefully it supports our Paraguayan sides. But, um, guys, I mean, unless you guys have some sort of, uh, thing to say, I, I'm pretty sure we're going to see Libertad in the next stage. Don't you guys think? Yeah, I think so. You guys were very kind for not remembering that I thought Guarani might do enough against Atletico Nacional. But what I didn't check was they hadn't beaten a Colombian team in the Libertadores since 1985. Um, and then that Atletico Nacional team was actually really good. I think even though, like Fede was saying, they scored at the very end, the second goal, they, they were good for that result. They could have even scored more. I mean, the guy in the middle, Rovira, looked like this season professional and he's 24 apparently so he's a, he's a very interesting prospect and i mean they just look much stronger than than guarani across kind of like every sector so so definitely very very difficult but fingers crossed for, for libertad and the, and if it does happen the libertad atletico nacional that's going to be a great tie i think that would be a very exciting game 100 it'll be a really fun game and guys before we go off we do have to mention our uh basically our questions that we got and uh, thanks to Ralph tweeting about us uh, in the preview. Uh, we do have a question again. I will read it out here from Joel Vitus from Germany. And he has a question thinking, you know, and we, we mentioned Guayani a bunch of times. So we, he obviously had to mention that in his question, does he, does he think that, or do we think that Guayani can keep winning and be a possible candidate to win the championship? Um, I mean, guys, it's, you know, they have surprised people. And looking at the table, like you said, and it's a perfect assessment of what you said, uh, Maria, the league is drunk. But look at White Enya. I mean, they, they are really punching above their own weight to to really get um, close to that league title. I mean, what do you guys think? Because they look convincing, but you have to also worry about what's going to happen when they play other competitions as well. I guess I'll go uh, since I mentioned that they're one of my favorites right now. <laughs> um, I, I'm not too sure about winning the title, but I know that they'll definitely get very close because um, they're playing with so much enthusiasm. You know, it's just fun to watch them. Um, I think they have like seven consecutive matches without any losses. Um, so for them, for such a young team, it's it's definitely a great uh, a great thing that, that what they're doing. You know, the 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 coaches are 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 working together. The players know what their what their what their goal is, and um, in you know, this is like the first win 
uh, that they win by three goals. And, and it's just incredible for them. It's such a great season for them. Um, there was an interview by the assistant coach, Victor Hugo Cabrera, and he, he was saying that we're so happy to see how they're playing, how we're playing. Um, you know, our, 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 our ideas are coming to, together into fruition. Um, the, the new team is, is coming together and, and growing, and that's what we wanted. Um, you know, definitely didn't expect all this success in, in such a short time for, for a young team like, like them. So in, in, rea in, in reality, I, I'm not too sure that they'll win the title yet. Um, maybe they, they'll get super close to it. Like I said, uh, maybe next year or, or next uh, clausura, they can, they can uh, clinch the title for the first time. And, uh, you know, we'll see, but best of luck. I do hope that um, they keep uh, winning games because they're definitely uh, a, a team to watch. That, that would be huge if they could win a title. I mean, nobody nobody wins a title outside of Asuncion, right? It's, it's very rare. I'm thinking, oh, no, I don't even know. I mean, unless you, you count Luqueño winning in 2007. 12 October. 12 October as well, yeah. Um, I was taking a look at this. I mean, one of the questions was, was it the play? Who is it? The players, the coaches, the the owners. I'll be honest. I don't know much about the structure of the of the team of the ownership of the team. But what you can see is they've kept the same coach for these hundred games, as I was mentioning earlier in the show. So so Radio Duarte has been there, which of course gives them that continuity. What they did really well this year is they they lost a very good player in Pedro del Valle. He went to Libertad. But they've still managed to keep this up. And Maria's talking about the young team and, and some of the players. You know, you have like uh, Romero, for example, Fernando Romero, who's very young. But then you have the experience of someone like uh, Salustiano Candia, scored at the weekend a, a penalty. He's been around the block. You know, they. I think what they did very well was they mixed that. They mixed a bit of that experience, but not building a team like uh, River Plate or Doce de Octubre this year that are very experienced to the to the point that. Maybe they're a bit too old, and, and with this, you know, tough agenda we have and tough schedule, it might be, it might be difficult. And I was just looking quickly today. I mean, Guarena's story. There's there's three teams recently that have come up through the the kind of uh, interligas and then into intermedia and then reach Primera, which is you had Carapeguá, you had Capiatá and Santaní before them. Um, both Capiata and Santini did make the Sudamericana, and Capiata actually got to, if you remember, they got to Libertadores and they won to that very last phase of Libertadores and, and just lost out to the Paranaense, a Brazilian side. So, so we've seen this possibility before of these teams actually making a big impact. So if you if you look at Capiata, they came up 2013, they made Sudamericana 2014. So it's just like what any have done now. 2020, they came up, 2021, they're in Sudamericana. Um, so it's possible. What we did also see with all these teams is they ended up getting relegated. No one lasted longer than, uh, than Capiata, which was about six years in Primera. So it's very hard because you're, you have, you know, your big kind of five or six, and then these things are so generational. It's hard to really, how do you build this team more from Guarani? How do you get the finances to start competing? Um, so I think, you know, it's, it's a very, it's a great story. And then the question is, does it, can they make it go on longer than say five years? Because no, nobody's been able to, to do that yet without having to, 
to drop down again. So, but so far, very good. Answer the mean, question. Answer the question. <laughs> I don't know if it's the. I think you've got to put it on the manager then. If you want me to answer, I'll, I'll say for the manager because because look at Duarte. I mean, a hundred games he's been there. He's he's managed to go through a couple of changes like cycles, and he's still keeping them up there. Um, but I don't think they can win the league. Sorry, I think that's a step. That is a step too far. And based on history, it's always difficult to use history to predict the future, but based on history, it would be very, very hard for them to do that. But definitely give it a run in Sudamericana. They got a great chance. If they win this championship, I'll buy a Guayrena a shirt and I'll walk from Asuncion to Villarriga. I don't know. Let's make a promise or something, right? I mean... The story itself has been unique up, up until now. It's been like a fairy tale, like Rafa was saying, then coming from like the lower leagues and making it now into an international cup. You know, I was hearing some of the stories from these guys, most of the players, they've done the whole journey up until now. And they're looking forward even to, to leave the country, to have a first flight out of the country, to, to, to play for the first time in their lives outside of the country. I mean, it's, it's a fairy tale for them. It's, this team is, is totally unique. The countryside teams itself, they're just so real. They're just so raw. Uh, I love it, actually. Uh, and they've just been able to uh, bring so many people together from, from their city, from, from their place, from Villa Rica, from that side of the country also, because it's not just the city, it's all the people that live around the city. Most of the players are from around there. so. So, so that, that gives them a big band, uh, fan base that, that they can work on and they have all the love uh, going around for them. Uh, they played the biggest teams in these last weeks and they didn't lose against any of them. So uh, they look like they're ready for something big. Uh, they, they're, they're just building and building. Uh, every year they just look better. I, I can't believe Trujillo Duarte at the beginning of 2020 didn't want to be the coach of this team. When they made it to the first division, he actually said, no, I'll be an assistant coach, bring another coach that already has experience on the first uh, division. And I'll just sit sit next to him. I'll, I'll learn and look at everything that, that happened. Uh, because uh, the, make, to make the story short, short the, the, that head coach uh, didn't make the job. After all, he did the preseason, but then he left the, the club because he wasn't getting all the players that he wanted. Uh, that was at the beginning of 2020. And Charlie said, okay, I'll, 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 I'll manage the club on this year. And he, he put them on, on, on Sudamericana. And they're going to play this International Cup for the first time. I'm just so happy for them. He's still talking about doing 40, 45 points, points in the year so they can maintain their spot in the first division. But they just look like they're ready for bigger things. Uh, maybe in Sudamericana, maybe in the, in the Apertura. I, I just love their story because, of, because it's a countryside team. And like Ralph was saying, all of those experienced guys, Ignacio Bon, 39 years old, Santiano Candia, 37, David Mendoza, 35. Bartomeu's 38. I mean, these guys are like on those last years of their career and they're making history with these with this new young club that represents a city. It's just it's just beautiful. I think they're Waidenia uh, is, is making history and it's just getting more and more fans uh, as people know more about this club. Perhaps we have our first ever Leicester City to exist in, in Paraguay because it, it, I see some equivalents on that. Um, but yeah, it's a good point about the Sudamericana. We're going to finish off on that. Obviously, we have 
four Paraguayan teams playing against uh, each other in the Sudamericana. We have Dos de Octubre taking on Nacional and Guairenia taking on River Plate to, as you said, Pede, to get that dream of getting an international flight to take on teams, um, be it in, in anywhere in South America. So we are going to make our predictions, which I'm sure all of you guys love to make, as we've done in the past. Um, I'll go first on this one. I, I think for the first game between Dos de Octubre and Nacional, I, I think Nacional have really been performing very well in the league. I think they have been so consistent in that race under Hernandez Lopez. Um, sorry, Rodrigo Lopez. And, you know, I think when it comes to playing the likes of Dos de Octubre, who, you know, have been suffering lastly uh, because of inconsistency in the league, they're bottom of the table at the moment. I, I do see Nacional getting this um, convincing tie win. I mean, I, I see them qualifying, period, to the to the group stage of the of the Sudamericana. And as for the latter between Guaidenia and River Plate, I mean, I, I think we're all closet Guaidenia fans at this point. So I'm sure all of us are going to have to agree on Guaidenia and hopefully be unanimous on that one. But I, I think they have been just such a great story to watch. I think they've been really punching above their own weight. As as Fed has said, you know, all these stories of all these guys trying to, to achieve something from the bottom down to, to all the way to the top. I think they will achieve their dream of getting that uh, first international flights when they do head to the group stage, and which is why I see them also qualifying to the uh, to the group stage. And uh, I guess we'll start from here. Yeah, go ahead, Maria. I think you're. Up. Let's see. What are you gonna say? Yeah, I was gonna say that I agree with your with your look and your view. I I'm gonna go the same, and I'm gonna say Nacional is gonna go through. And uh, Guarena, of course, is going to go through. Um, I think both teams are, are really um, excited to, to, to go into this competition and, and, and they're really excited to, um, to, to just play. And, and, and you can tell from the way that they're, that they're playing that, that they just want to get the, get the foot on the door and, and, and get the experience at least. So they're playing a lot with, with passion and with, with happiness. So I'm going to go with, with the same. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you guys that Nacional, I think Nacional are probably the bigger favorite than, than Guarenia are in, in their game, because remember Dos Octubre are in trouble at the moment with the relegation. They have to start focusing. They have to focus more on that relegation than, than they would like to on the Sudamericana. River Plate are actually in a similar position. They have to be, you know, they have one eye on this. So I think uh, that favors also Nacional and Guairenia that they can really put all their put all their chips into this, you know, into this Sudamericana. And for Guairenia, um, let's give a shout out to Lito Duarte, who's 38 years old. He's been at the club since since before it really existed. I mean, Guairenia exists as a pro club 2016 through Interligas, but before that, when it was Interligas playing regional, you know, regional tournaments, he was there. He's been there since 2005. He estimates he scored like over 130 goals for them, 250 games, you know. He scored the other day and uh, came on and uh, as a late sub and scored. And for him to play Sudamericana is, you know, that's a huge, that's a great achievement to somebody who's really dedicated their life to that, to that, or their career to that, to that team, that town, that club. Um, so that's very cool for that. That's the Jamie, 
That's Paraguay's Jamie Vardy, I guess, for help to make more. There we go. Yeah, sense. let's keep the yeah keep the comparisons going. I'm wearing my England shirt today as well, so I'm loving all and, these. And Arsenal won over the weekend as well, so you should be definitely happy. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Nacional, Nacional and Guarani for sure. I mean, Nacional, I also think could be they could do something in that tournament in the Sudamericana. I mean, it's, he's got a great style going, uh, Rodrigo Lopez. Lopez himself has the record, I think. He's the all-time top scorer in the Sudamericana, if I'm not wrong, unless he's been overtaken recently. So, I mean, that's a guy who's played that Sudamericana a lot as well. Now he's doing really well as a coach. So, very interested to see what, what Nacional can do in that. Yeah, you guys were talking about Rodrigo Lopez. He was the other coach that was in the rumors for Olympia. If it wasn't Orteman, that's how well he's been doing on the last... Clubs, he's, he's so such a young coach still, right? And uh, Dosotore has a coach that maybe has a, a little more experience, like Sarabia, has already been champion in the first division with Libertad. Uh, you guys were went to, to the obvious teams. You guys were pretty obvious with your picks. You guys chose the favorites. You made it easy for yourselves. So I'm going to make it a little harder. I'm going to go with Doce Octubre over Nacional. That could be a shocker. Uh, just because it's knockout, just because uh, I love Nacional uh, overall, I love the way they're playing, but on knockout system is just totally different, and you just have to be really good at scoring goals above all. And uh, those October could could uh, maybe be the surprise in, in this week or in the, in these two games actually just to qualify right because we're we're talking about both games and in the other one I, I am going to go with Wedding, especially because River Plate uh, they lost their head coach they, they have a new coach this is going to be what is just his second game of Enrique Landaida that left Olympia he was helping out there on the coaching staff and he's now the manager of River Plate the team that's going to go against Wairenia but I, I'm loving Wairenia's story I, I'm, I'm with this jersey also this year and I'm going to go with them I want to see them leave the country I want to see this story get bigger and bigger so obviously I am going with Wairenia over River Plate uh, awesome games uh, these teams really know each other these teams really want to make an impact and uh, it's, it's very important for them, uh, especially to, to go ahead and uh, advance in this competition, Roberto, because all the money that these teams can make in, 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 in Libertadores and Sudamericana is very important for them uh, just to keep on growing and for them to invest in more players also. You always have to be a contrarian, do you have to, Fede? Like, it feels like we're of always going to be anonymous. You always got to come That's up with the yeah, that's a good point. There you go. Save the best for last. Um, but no, I agree. I, I think obviously for Guaidenia to get a a result to qualify to the group stage would allow them to get a lot of money. Um, you know, it, I think it's important for them to to help them build, as you said, and you know, the, the story Lito Duarte, as I said, it, we basically have our our own um Jamie Vardy in Paraguay. But yeah, I, I mean it's gonna be very interesting to see what happens to both these two teams and, and obviously their opponents, obviously teams that they know each other and it will be very fun it will be very fun for to see what happens so I'm, I'm very excited i'm sure all of us are as well so guys there's nothing left on the docket i'm pretty sure we can go and close the show here as always thank you to everyone that's been listening for sending in your comments questions whatever it may be we really appreciate it as always you can listen to us on spotify and apple Podcasts. if you're not listening to us on youtube like subscribe leave a comment 
leave anything at this point. I mean, we'll take even GIFs or videos or whatever. But uh, no, again, thank you so much for listening. And so for myself, Roberto Rojas, for Fede Perez, Maria Britos, and Ralph Hanna, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Guarani Vision. See you later.